the Atlanta Braves select Spencer Schwellenbach, a right-handed pitcher from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The Oakland Athletics are on the clock. Welcome to Unlimited Sports Daily. I'm Peyton Thomas. On today's edition, I'm diving deep into the unicorns of the baseball world, the two-way player. In the recent MLB draft, the Braves selected pitcher and shortstop Spencer Schwellenbach out of Nebraska. First, how did we get here, and what's on deck for the former Husker in the Major League system? Today on Unlimited Sports Daily, we welcome a veteran of the University of Nebraska news scene, Michael Brunts. You've been with 24-7 Sports for just over a decade now. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, the reason I wanted to have you on today is to talk about the future of one of the most electric Husker baseball players that we've seen at Haymarket Park in the last few years, the two-way monster, Spencer Schwellenbach. He lit up the Big Ten, not only at the plate, but especially on the mound in his junior year, posting a season ERA of 0.57 and an on-base plus slugging at the plate of 862. But to understand sort of the future of the recent Braves selection in this year's MLB draft, we need to understand how we got here. So, Michael, when did you first hear about this kid, Spencer Schwellenbach? I talked to the first time I talked to Spencer Schwellenbach was uh, when he committed to Nebraska, um, and that was back in 2016. Um, so he was um, obviously a you know pretty coveted two-way player um, out of high school in Michigan. Um, and, and kind of had to be shut down um, from pitching his senior season. Um, a lot of ACC, SEC programs were after him early on um, in his recruitment. And the one thing that I know that kind of attracted him to Nebraska was that they were recruiting him as a, two, a potential two-way player. Um, they basically said, you know, we want you as a shortstop. If it works out for you to close, um, you know, great. But, you know, we like you at, equally as a, uh, a positional player as they, they did a, a pitcher. So beyond that, you know, Nebraska's Darren Ursad staff basically went to every game that he played that spring um, before he committed. I know that was really important to him was that uh, Nebraska just really recruited the heck out of him. And uh, that, that was kind of how he ended up in Lincoln. But um, it, it's kind of funny, I guess, the, the way that his career arc went, and we can kind of get into that too. But um, you know, he, he didn't set foot on a pitcher mound for the first two years he was at Nebraska. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that they liked him as a shortstop, I know when I first talked to him was, it was a really big deal. Well, I want to get to the, the hiatus in pitching in a little bit, but I want to start out with the draft coming out of high school because he fell to the 34th round. He got selected by the Indians, but I know he was expecting to be selected much earlier do we know if he would have gone the pro route directly out of high school had he been picked where in the first few rounds or where he expected to be out of high school? Yeah, I talked to him before this year's draft, kind of writing a bigger story about his past history with the draft. And he fell a lot, uh, like you said. But, you know, heading into that draft, the feeling with between his advisor and the family was is that if he was available in the fifth round, for the Kansas city Royals, there was a chance that the Royals would be able to meet his number that, that he was seeking to not attend college. Uh, I've been really nervous the last couple of weeks cause it's, it's getting down to the, the business time and you know, whatever happens, I mean, 
it's still amazing that this is even like, realistic. And um, un unfortunately for Spencer and fortunately for Nebraska, the Royals uh, had Brady Singer fall to him late in the first round. And because they had to overpay for Singer, that that money that they would have had to, to meet Spencer's number wasn't there. So they weren't able to pick him. Um, and then from, from when that didn't happen, he basically said, you know, he was going to go to school um, and made that decision pretty easy. But, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize at the time how close he was to potentially not coming to Nebraska. Um, but, you know, that, that's the way the draft works. I mean, if you have somebody fall at a certain position and, and the money doesn't work out, I mean, it can really kind of be a, a pretty incredible domino um, effect from there. So it worked out in Nebraska's favor. For a lot of people that don't know the interworkings of the MLB draft, just how much of a drop-off is there, at least in the money aspect, from if you were picked around the fifth round and if you decided to go pro at the 34th round? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the the slot money now being what it is, I mean, you're Cade Povich, as an example, um, uh, just this year signed for around $500,000 and he was a third round pick. So um, I, I, I'd have to go back and look what the slot values were back then. But I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. And for a player like Spencer, that was, you know, the number two player in the state of Michigan out of high school, um, you know, there, there was once he didn't go in the top five rounds, I mean, there, there was no decision to be made. I mean, he, he was going to make more money by going to school down the road and developing. And, you know, obviously that ended up paying off for him in the long run too. Do one pitch. That one's drilled to left field. Going back is Gitter looking up and that one is gone. Home run. Spencer Schwellenbach makes it four, nothing big red. So Spencer showed up in Lincoln with Clearly a wealth of talent, could have gone into the MLB out of high school and sort of a chip on his shoulder after falling that far in the draft. And that's where in the Nebraska scene, we start to see the rise of his development. He played two full seasons uh, and a shortened 2020 season due to COVID, was consistently one of the best hitters in the lineups. And now we get to the, the pitching break because he has to shut the arm down at the end of high school. And what do you know about having to take that break for the first two years of his college career away from pitching. Yeah, he had, he had a, it was like a procedure done. I forget if it was after his freshman or sophomore season um, that, that kind of cleaned things up a little bit and kind of allowed the, the pitching conversation to kind of get back in, into the fold, I guess. Um, you know, for him, you know, the, when, when he entered the program, there were always kind of whispers of, you know, how great his stuff was on the mound and, you know, what he could potentially do as a pitcher. But I think there was also a real hesitation on the part of the coaching staffs at Nebraska to not kind of risk um, losing him as a positional player in order to get him on the mound. So, you know, I, I think it got to the point with, with Will Bolt's staff, um, you know, when they got to, to the last off season before the 2021 season was, okay, we're going to give this a shot. 
started off very careful with him um, because of his past kind of arm issues. Um, and, you know, it, it, it really, it, I mean, it, it's a little bit of a cliche, but I mean, everything really clicked from the moment he threw his first bullpen last fall. I mean, he threw 19 of his 20 pitches for strikes. Um, you know, he was snapping off breaking balls and, you know, he was relying on a lot of his mechanics that were kind of muscle memory type things from when he was in high school. I mean, it's, it's not like it was something that he had really worked on. It just kind of, everything just kind of fell into place for him. So um, that, that was a, a real pleasant surprise. And I think it kind of validated kind of what you heard around the program for the, a number of years that, you know, if he's able to get on the mound, uh, look out because he's a special player. Well, Erstad recruited him, and you followed Nebraska baseball through the biggest part of the Erstad era and now through the Bolt era. Would this career trajectory had been different if Erstad was still leading the team? Uh, hard to say. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I would just be speculating on that. My sense is that, um, you know, they, they would have given it a shot. I don't know if they would have you know, gone full bore with it, but I, I don't know that that's not really something that I ever asked. I know they were always, I, I would ask, you know, every fall if they were thinking about that being a possibility and they kind of said, you know, maybe, maybe not. And, and even in Will Bolt's first year and in, in the, the COVID shortened year, I mean, they were, that, that really wasn't an option for them either. Um, and, and you have to remember too, in that 2020 year, they were really kind of starved for help in their bullpen too. So if there was any year where, you know, maybe you would have been more apt to, to try it versus others, I think it would have been that one. And then after all the work he did, you said it clicked right away on the mound. I mean, clearly with the 0.57 ERA after taking such a long break against talented college lineups, top to bottom, nonetheless, extremely impressive, but it all kind of came to fruition in the tournament game against Arkansas. Pop up, first base side, Roscoe. We will have a game seven on Monday night for the Fayetteville Regional. And, I mean, we had watched Spencer Schwellenbach pitch so well over the course of the season, but in that final, or in the game that forced the final matchup a day later, Schwellenbach went four and two-thirds, four strikeouts, only allowed a hit, and... I mean, that was against what many people considered the most explosive lineup in the country. And I know that performance, that outing for me, at least, it kind of clicked where, okay, I think this kid can pitch and hit at the next level. Yeah, it's it's funny. I When I talked to him right before the draft, he told me that, you know, in that game, he didn't, he didn't even feel like he had his best stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing that you have to remember about Spencer and kind of his use this year was there was kind of like a natural progression uh, in a plan that they had in place for how they were going to work him into the pitching role. It was going to start out with, they were going to throw him on, you know, once a weekend. And then, you know, it, it kind of started from there. It was okay. Multiple innings once a weekend. And then it was twice a weekend, one inning a piece. And then from there, it just kind of, his workload kind of increased. And, you know, by the end of April, he was throwing, had a couple of four inning outings um, against Michigan state and against Rutgers. And in that regional, he threw, I think 29 or 30 pitches in the Friday night game to close it out. Um, and in that game against Arkansas, um, 
you know, they weren't expecting to use him until the seventh inning. That was kind of the plan that they had laid out. And Nebraska needed him to come in. And I mean, when you're in a, a winner take all or a, a do or die type situation that Nebraska was facing that elimination game, I mean, you, you want to win and you want to lose with your best players on the mound. And, um, you know, he really kind of gutted through it. Um, you could tell early in that start, he didn't, or in that appearance, he didn't necessarily uh, have his, his best stuff, but he was competitive. And, you know, I, I think maybe there's not an appreciation from people with how difficult it is to go from playing an entire game at shortstop, being dialed in and focused for that long. And then all of a sudden you have to, you know, with maybe eight warm-up pitches, go in and try and work your way through one of the top offenses in the country. I mean, that when you put it that way, it, it's pretty uh, remarkable, the performance that he had. And the, the thing that will always kind of stand out to me too from that game, he came and did, did a post-game Zoom session after that. And he looked like he had just run a half marathon. Like he was just tired um, and, and just had been put through the ringer. But um, that, that I think was a pretty good example of what he was and is as a competitor um, when you're able to go out and do that, when you, you know, you know, in the back of your mind that you maybe don't have your best stuff. Hammered, left field, long run, Ashley, it's gone! That'll get you the bullpen quick. <laughs> That's right, he's got plenty of time to warm up now. And if Nebraska keeps on scoring in the inning, they might not need him to close the game. Eight to five Huskers. Those contributions in 2021 also earned, well, a variety of awards, but highlighted by the John Olerud Two-Way Player of the Year. Now the Huskers were eliminated a day later by Arkansas in that winner-take-all game, and Spencer set out for the MLB draft. He attended the Combine, and heading into the draft, I know you talked to him, where was the projection this time? Where was Spencer supposed to fall? But he was he was a tough pick to kind of nail down. Guys, kind of everybody. He's kind of the talk right now. Spencer Swellenbach, Nebraska, two-way player, shortstop, three-hole hitter, pitcher. Yeah, is he this new version? Is this is this? The, are we looking at the next Otani right here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, uh, if it's anything like Otani, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> when you think because even in his conversations with, with scouts and teams, and he was having daily conversations with different teams. Um, they were kind of trying to feel out, the teams were trying to figure out, you know, did he want to pitch? Did he want to hit? Did he want to do both? You know, where he kind of fell on that. At the same time, Spencer was also trying to figure out, okay, where, where does this team like me? Do they want me to pitch? Do they want me to, you know, do they see me as a shortstop? So it was a little bit of a, kind of getting to know you and kind of a cat and mouse game in some ways of like trying to figure out where everything fell. Power change up in the mid 80s. They used him as a reliever, but they stretched out. He pitched in four and five inning outings toward the end of the season. So some guys are looking at him as a starter. But the crazy thing is, so everybody loves the arm. You know, you wish he had a little bit more track record. Everybody loves the arm. Teams are all over the map on him as a shortstop. I have some teams, I think the teams that like him most as a shortstop, could actually take him in the first round as a shortstop. And there's other teams that think he's a better prospect as a pitcher. So it'll be interesting. I think he's definitely going the first two rounds. You know, you, you saw some draft projections that had him going, um, you know, late first round. Um, you know, a lot of them that I saw were second round. He was hearing numbers kind of all over the place. But I, I know the, the Braves were one team that were 
kind of consistent in a lot of the mock drafts as really liking him and his long-term potential um, at both positions. Um, so I, I think he was kind of intrigued by that. Former Heritage Hawk Spencer Schwellenbach's dream of becoming a professional baseball player came true yesterday when he was selected in the second round by the Atlanta Braves. Schwellenbach pitched in high school, then he took a few years off before serving as Nebraska's closer this past season. So he entered the draft as both a shortstop and a pitcher. So what are his plans at the next level? I personally am, am interested to see what he can be as a pitcher with being able to focus on that full time because, I mean, he split his time. He didn't really go through the, the mechanics type stuff this year just because he didn't really have time uh, to do that. But um, I, I think he's in a good spot with Atlanta um, because they, they really, I think, valued him as a, a player overall rather than just saying we see you as either, you know, very much a pitcher or very much a shortstop. After talking to him the last day or so, it, it seems like they like me as a pitcher and see me as a starting pitcher, which is what I want to do. I didn't start in this last year because I played shortstop and would just come in to close the games. I'm pretty sure it's going to be strictly pitching, but I know that in the beginning of the year, they really liked me as a shortstop too. So, I mean, you never know. They could kind of scramble you around and do different things. Well, he ended up being selected 59th overall, like you mentioned, by the Atlanta Braves, signed for slightly less than slot value at $1 million, the highest Husker selected in this year's draft. But now kind of the interesting piece of this begins, because you had talked about it. All the teams were feeling out, uh, uh, Spencer, all the teams that reached out at least, does he want to be a two-way player? Do we want him as a two-way player? Are we going to make him choose? And that kind of begs the question, in previous years, when all of these players came through the draft, most teams wanted them to essentially pick a side because two-way players, it wasn't really a thing in baseball. I mean, that was a story for the 1920s when you talk about players like Babe Ruth. But I, I know us as baseball fans, we've watched this landscape take a dramatic twist just in the last couple years with the breakout career of Shohei Otani. Yeah, but, you know, they were up there trying to do as much damage as they could. Like There's that. damage right there. Shohei, way, way side. like that couple rows from the top two nothing angels Shohei goodness and there's other big name prospects like Brendan McKay in the Rays farm system who's trying to make it as a two-way player are times changing our teams starting to be a little softer when they approach these two-way players saying okay we'll give you a shot at both sides of the plate I don't know I mean it I, I there seems to be more examples of teams that are at least willing to to let guys try I mean Otani is obviously on another level on both as a pitcher and a, and a hitter um, I still think the 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 tendency though among teams is to have guys focus I mean I, I think it kind of aids development a little bit I think it allows the team to more easily kind of figure out you know where that player fits into their plans long-term as an organization. Um, and, you know, even from, you know, mocks and, and kind of what some teams were thinking about Spencer, I mean, that there was even some question about whether or not 
positionally shortstop is his position long term. I, I think he's a pitcher. I think he's got the stuff and the athleticism to start. But there are teams who think he has some of the best exit velocities in the draft. You know, maybe not a shortstop if you went out that way, but, but he could play a good second base, third base, really hit well in the Big Ten. And it was I was wondering, the first thing I did when I saw his name was picked, I was like, okay, what uh, what position do we have up there on the graphic? Hey, the Braves. I mean, I, I saw a lot of um, scouts and, and, you know, draft analysts say, well, maybe he's, you know, long-term a third baseman. And then that kind of raises the question, well, does he hit enough, hit for enough power? Um, you know, can he develop that to, to be a, a, a big league third baseman? So I, I don't, I don't know that it's going to necessarily be a, a huge developing trend as of right now, but I think definitely, you know, in, in some, some very specific cases, I think teams are willing to, to let guys kind of do both. Um, I, I don't know that Spencer's necessarily to that point yet, but I, I think, I think among a lot of major league teams, though, there was more intrigue about his ceiling as a pitcher versus maybe what, what he has as a position player. Do you think we're going to see more two-way players in the major leagues in, say, 10 years? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I think in some ways that has to kind of start at the college level. And I, I think back to, I mean, when I was a kid and seeing College World Series teams come through, like in the early 90s and stuff like that, um, you know, you, you saw a few more um, two-way players. Um, you know, I, I know that what Nebraska's doing, they've, they've got a few guys that, that are on their roster and are coming into their program that had the ability to be effective in both places. I mean, Chase Mason uh, is a good example of a guy coming in that, you know, maybe has the potential to help Nebraska on the mound too, in addition to being an outfielder. So I, it feels like one of those things that kind of needs to bubble up a little bit. Um, I do wonder sometimes if major league teams aren't a little bit slow to kind of go all in on a trend like that. I think it, like I said, I think it's a little bit more specific to a player. If you've got a guy that can do it. I mean, it, I guess maybe the other option is, is, you know, if you've got a guy that's a two-way player that, you know, tries it as a shortstop and it's obvious that he's not going to make it as a shortstop, maybe you, you, give it a, a go as a pitcher to see if you can, you know, get some value out of a guy. But I'm, uh, I'm a little skeptical, I guess, that that's going to be a huge trend going forward. If you are making the decisions in the front office for the Atlanta Braves, is that what you're doing? Are you going to tell them, hey, pitching is your strong suit. Pitching is what we're going to have you do in our organization? Well, I mean, I, I think he's intriguing to him Spencer on the mound is intriguing because I think when you kind of consider what he did this season without being able to really focus on it, I think that's interesting to me. I mean, you know, he shows up at the MLB draft combine and his fastball is in the top five for spin rate um, of players who were there. Um, his breaking ball is also in the top five for spin rate among players who were there. And he's primarily going off of, you know, mechanics that are, you know, from his high school days. And, you know, the thing that he's always done, even if you go back to what he did in high school and certainly what he did at Nebraska this year, he throws strikes. Um, he's always around the strike zone. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, you know, he's got a fastball that sits in the mid nineties. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I would be at least a little bit intrigued by what his ceiling is as a pitcher based on, you know, what he was able to do this year and kind of a, a small sample size. 
Well, hold on. I want to back up. You said his spin rate is in the top five of all pitchers that were at the MLB Combine this year. And spin rate's a huge talking point when it comes to pitchers. I know a lot of the recent controversy has been about substances that pitchers are using in the major leagues, but spin rate as a as a philosophy has been the recent change that all pitchers at the college level, not not all but most at the college level, have been working on for years to try to improve to try to make batters miss, and he's taken such a long break off the mound and still has that that spin rate. Wow. Yeah, he. I think he was. Uh, I think it was top two. I forget. I'd need to look again. But one of the one of the two categories, he was top two among pitchers that were at the combine, uh, and I think the fastball was top five. So yeah, I mean that those numbers catch your eye. I, I think, um, like I said, especially given, um, the fact that he was, you know, splitting his attention between pitching and, and hitting as well. I'm inter I'm always interested, you know, cause I, I've been covering the team for 11 years straight through and then you know a little bit during the, the college world series years in 05 and in 06 when they were the super regional teams and i'm always curious to, to kind of see where guys line up in the the kind of the history of, of you know nebraska baseball and and i'm always curious with, with spencer because i think he he had a heck of a year um and, and one of the better years that i can remember um you know, and, and kind of getting this program back to, to where they want it to be and, and maybe, you know, launching it forward a little bit too. So I, I, I'll be curious to see where he is thought of, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now, because I think what he did on the field this year was, uh, was pretty special. All right, well, Michael, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of Unlimited Sports Daily. And now Nebraska fans, us as well, we get to basically play the waiting game. We get to keep an eye on the Braves' farm system and kind of wait to see if yet another Husker can make his mark on the big leagues and what Spencer Schwellenbach's legacy will be five or ten years down the road. Yep, thanks for having me on. Once again, that was Michael Brunt, senior writer for Husker Athletics at 24-7 Sports. Thank you for listening to this edition of Unlimited Sports Daily with me, Peyton Thomas, and I hope to see you again very soon.